All right, so to, uh, to promo tonight a little bit, I kind of like using videos in most of my, most of my talks because I think they're fun. And uh, to be fair, I've done a lot of like, like baby videos and kind of like cute, fun videos this year. So I have a sports clip right now. And so whether you, um, whether you like it or not, we're going to rock with this tonight. Um, and then we'll, uh, then we'll talk about it after. I promise I'll tie it into everything. So if we can roll that clip right now, it'd be great. You can always kind of be average is just do what's normal. I'm, I'm not in this to do what's normal. I mean, it's, it's, it's a decision that you got to make. If you want to accomplish anything that's significant, you have a serious impact, you got to make those sacrifices. You have to make that choice. I made that choice a long time ago. We all have. Have things that obstacles that were in our way at some point or another. We all had doubt, but we chose. We chose. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did a relationship study and I walked up to Lil Wayne's What is Love? And I, pr I pretty much assume that's the first time Lil Wayne has been used as walk up music for any church service that you've been to. I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say this is one of the only times Kobe Bryant has been used in a sermon as well, uh, but we're going to go with that tonight. Um, some things you need to know about me just as a person. Uh, first of all, I love Jesus. I love his word, and I've really enjoyed getting the opportunity to preach it uh, this semester. Uh, secondly, I love basketball. I was halfway decent at it growing up. I'm a high school basketball coach now, and I love, 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 love the Lakers and Kobe Bryant. Uh, now, just to be completely honest, uh, Kobe Bryant is a horrible role model. I mean, he is bad, bad, Bad. He has very low character on the court. He's a bad teammate. He gets a lot of technical fouls. He's cheated on his wife. I mean, he's done a really, uh, he's done a really lot of bad things. Um, but I love him, and I actually have the, um, I actually have the difficult task of con convincing my future wife one day that Kobe would be an acceptable name for our firstborn son. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, he is a horrible, horrible role model. Um, but there is one thing about Kobe and one thing I will instill in my kids and hopefully I'll instill in uh, kind of bring to light tonight and that's Kobe's work ethic, his desire to win, his discipline. Uh, to be honest, most of my friends who are basketball players, they, uh, you know, they hate, most of my friends, they don't like him. I don't, can't really blame them because uh, they're godly dudes, most of them smarter than me, but they, they can't stand Kobe. One thing we all agree on is his desire. He's a tireless worker, and what this documentary kind of highlights is the things that it took Kobe to get to where he was, uh, wanted to be, a, a champion, an MVP, a legend. And so, uh, and so this is one of the things, um, discipline that we want to look at tonight, the discipline that he took to get there and the discipline uh, that we want to take to get where we want to go in our faith with the Lord. Now, um, I believe that um, God has promise us excellent things, not just good things, but excellent things. And to get excellent things, it takes effort. And we have to meet God, uh, we have to meet God's promises with a little bit of effort. And so our sermon title tonight is Spiritual Discipline. And uh, the Kobe analogy kind of stops right there at discipline. This man has nothing to offer you spiritually. Uh, we were just talking about the discipline side of things. Um, but as a guy in my shoes, whose job it is to see a group of people grow closer to God, uh, I couldn't pick a better topic than spiritual discipline. So what, uh, what th when we're thinking about spiritual discipline, it kind of asks us to, to, to ask tough questions, like what does it really take to follow Jesus? What does it really take um, to make my life look, to look different? So um, 
This is the stage when you're starting to think about spiritual disciplines. In your life, when uh, you've accepted the gospel, you've accepted that God did a, did a work in your life and that Jesus is um, the Son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins, now what? Now what is, this, is the spiritual discipline part? Discipline, as defined, defined by dictionary.com, is on the next slide. Uh, activity, exercise, or a regimen that develops or improves a skill or training. So an example of spiritual disciplines would be um, in your word every day or in prayer every day or joining a church and serving in that church. And so when we talk about spiritual disciplines, that's kind of what we're talking about. Now, I want to be kind of clear on this when I say that these disciplines are in the Bible, but the who, the where, the when, to what extent aren't really. So, for example, um, there's not a line that says, and says you need to read your three chapters a day. Like that's a Christian equivalent to um, being acceptable spiritual discipline. Or you need to read X amount of minutes a day. You need to pray X amount of minutes a day. That's not what we're talking about. Um, these things alone are good, but the mission of the church is to grow closer to God. And so, um, if our lives in general are approaching the uh, approaching that, then it doesn't really matter the the disciplines that it takes to get there. But these are good things. So we're going to talk about some tonight. Um, there's many, many, many Christian books that talk about spiritual disciplines. Now, one of the ones that rocked my life um, probably more than any other is a, one called Disciplines of a Godly Man. Now, while this book is ad- addressed to men, um, there's things in here that are good for, for all of us. So, I mean, there's 18 disciplines in this book. Um, I'll just read a couple of the topics. The discipline of purity, the discipline of marriage, the discipline of parenthood. Uh, discipline of worship, discipline of the tongue, discipline of work. So, I mean, what, what the author's pretty much saying is there's, there's things in Scripture that point to, to spiritual disciplines that we should have. So, tonight, instead of talking about all 18 of them or doing this big, long sermon series, uh, I want to talk about two in particular, and we're going to call those um, the discipline of engagement and the discipline of devotion. Now, when we talk about engagement, um, kind of the question is, are we making, are we making our faith a discussion? Or are we just consuming things? I think the disciples were very real in their discussions with the Lord as they sought out their own faith. And then we're going to talk about engagement in, um, in regards to worship, like what we're doing tonight. And then we're going to talk about the discipline of devotion. And when we talk about devotion, we're going to talk about the reading of God's word and prayer. And prayer. We have, some, uh, we have some sermon notes that we passed out tonight, and it's very important that we fill out the very first line uh, together because it's going to kind of play into this whole idea. And so the first line says here, um, by filling in this blank, I'm practicing the, the discipline of engagement. So congratulations just by showing up tonight and staying awake for the first 10 minutes. You are thus engaged. So you've done a great job so far uh, with that. Uh, what I worry about when it comes to, when it comes to the church um, these days is that we've kind of had this consumer culture where you can just show up and uh, kind of check your box that you were at church for that day and no one would be the wiser. But this is, uh, this is not at all what the disciples looked like when they were, when they were following Jesus. You go through the Gospels, and, and uh, I just went through Matthew in particular. I find these examples when the disciples were really trying to work out their faith. In chapter 13, um, it says the disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak in parables? Again in 13, um, his disciples came to him saying, explain that parable more. In chapter 16 of Matthew, he says, when Jesus came, he asked his disciples, then fill in the blank, uh, then they answered him, and then he said to them, and then Peter replied, I mean, I know I'm cutting out some of the meat of this, but kind of the point what I'm getting at is that this was a discussion. Their faith was a discussion with the Lord, and they asked a lot of questions. Now, I'm as guilty as the next guy of coming to church and kind of consuming and turning pages like this into like my grocery list for the week, but, um, 
but that's, that's the thing about tonight is, is there's no roll sheet. There's no roll sheet. You don't get a gold star for being here. I'm not going to quiz you before you leave. Uh, it, it, it's just between you and God and whether your level of the uh, discussion tonight is um, between you and him and, and how much you've really engaged. And so whether you want to ask questions or write in your journals or fill out this form at all, it's kind of, it's kind of up to you. Uh, the next line is, uh, the discipline of engagement consists of thinking, which we kind of just talked about with the asking questions and discussion. And the next one is worshiping. Worshiping. God wants an engaged worshiper when you, st- when you show up. Now, what I mean by this is, um, okay, I'll, I'll say this, and it probably calls out a couple of us in the, in the room. I know it certainly does for me, but uh, one of the questions that you get when you leave church sometimes is, hey, how is, how is worship for you today? How is worship for you? Um, did you like the music? Did you like the drummer? Did you like that there wasn't a drummer? How, was the bass too loud? Was the song selection good for you? It's always a question that we ask, and I know most of us in this room have done it, when the real question should be, what did God think of the service today? What did God think of those who worshiped? And what did I give to God in my worship? What did I give to God in my worship? I tell you these first two disciplines of thinking and worshiping because those are two things that we can knock out tonight. We can, we can, um, we can think for the rest of this service. When we worship again uh, at the end of service, we can, we can do that with a very engaged attitude. Um, because God wants engaged individuals. Now, when I coach high school basketball, um, when my guys come to practice, if they don't come with an attitude ready to play, if they don't come with an attitude ready to practice, we have to run them. We kind of have to wake them up. Showing up to practice isn't practicing. Similarly, showing up to worship isn't just worshiping. Uh, the, next, uh, the next one we're going to go to is the discipline of devotion. My personal walk with the Lord, the next line says, my personal walk with the Lord will be determined by the discipline of devotion. Being engaged in worship is something you can kind of fake, right? You can do the, you can do the touchdown Jesus worship hands at the end of service, and uh, you can convince people in this room that you're into it. You can take notes or fill out your grocery list and, and convince people you're into it, but real devotion to the Lord when it's just you and him, um, that's something you can't hide from him. That's something you cannot hide from him. Devotion on the next line says, devotion consists of reading God's word and prayer. Now, why is reading scripture important? Why can't I just listen to podcasts? Why can't I just listen to YouTube sermons? Why can't I just absorb things that I get when I come to AFC or come to UCC? Um, I believe it's because of Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 on the next slide says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. What the author of Hebrews is saying here is that the word of God is no mere book. The word of God is alive, it's breathing, it's an active force in the Christian walk, and there's nothing that I can say on stage here, or there's nothing that um, a YouTube preacher can convince you of um, by watching a video that if it doesn't come from scripture is worth, any, is worth any weight at all. Now I hope that something that's said here tonight points you to a deeper love of Jesus, I really do, um, but like I said, if it doesn't come from scripture, it's not worthy of being spoke from this stage anyways. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, 
equipped for every good work. Um, you really want to equip yourself in this life with the sword of the Spirit, with something that's sharper than a two-edged sword. It comes from Scripture. Do you all remember the, the movie The Book of Eli, where Denzel Washington just kicks tail for about two hours? And the secret weapon in that, in that movie, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, was the Bible. Now, um, I can't promise you that you'll get these apocalyptic ninja skills like Denzel did, um, but the truth that these pages have um, in them is, is a weapon in itself and is worthy to equip yourself with. So, uh, guys, we, we need to be in the scriptures, and uh, any other so- source of truth simply won't do. Any other source of truth simply won't do. And the other main part of, uh, of devotion or quiet time with the Lord is in prayer. Now, the scriptures um, have countless uh, scriptures on prayer. Um, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything pray. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then 1 Thessalonians five seventeen says, Pray without ceasing. Um, we need to pray, but Why? E. Stanley Jones was a missionary um, who once wrote about prayer. He said, he said, if I throw out a boat hook from the boat and I, and I latch on to the shore and I start to pull, do I pull myself towards the shore or do I pull the shore towards me? And kind of what he's saying here is, uh, is are we going to convince God? Uh, are we going to change God's will for our lives? Are we going to pull the shore to us? No, absolutely not. You throw that boat hook out with prayer, you pull yourself to the shore, meaning we align with God's will. Christian college students, probably more than any other group, is always asking the question, you know, what's God's will for my life? And it's because we're in this stage of uncertainty right now, right? What will my major be? What will my job be? Who will I marry? Uh, will she let me name my first kid Kobe? Um, how many cats will I have? Uh, or dogs, Megan. <laughs> um, it's just an uncertain time, and I get it. Believe me, I do. Um, but can we honestly say that we set a time, set aside time every week to align ourselves with God, God's will? We're, we're not going to pull the shore closer to us, meaning we're not going to convince God what's best for us. Rather, what prayer does is it helps us better understand God's will. Better understands God's will. The last line on your, uh, so I, I, think, I think we did that one. Devotion consists of reading and prayer. The, uh, the last line tonight for, uh, for your fill in the blanks is, there is no right way to practice spiritual disciplines, but there is a wrong way. When I say this, um, it, it means reading three chapters a day, praying for 30 minutes a day, um, serving in soup kitchens, uh, handing out coffee on campus, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever discipline you think you can have, um, there's no right or wrong way to do that. But if your life doesn't consist of scripture, if your life doesn't consist of prayer, if your life doesn't consist of service, then you might be getting these disciplines wrong. There's no certain way to get them right, but there's definitely a certain way to get them wrong. Because the fact of the matter is this, whether you like it or not, you're being formed spiritually. Whether atheists or non-believers like it or not, they're getting formed spiritually. Spiritual formation is, is happening all the time. We're conditioning ourselves to some level of faith or belief at, um, at all times. And while it's God who initially calls us, he has given us a certain level of responsibility in our devotion back to him. We, do, we definitely have some responsibility when it comes to this. 
for the uh, for the past two weeks, I've been getting coffee with a with a young guy, and um, for the sake of um, not using his name, I'm just going to call him Jay. But um, Jay is a uh, I would say I wouldn't say non-believer, but he's definitely not a Christian. He definitely has a lot of co- has a lot of questions. Jay has read the Quran twice. He's read the Bible three times. He's investigated Hinduism, Buddhism, um, even a little bit of Scientology. Um, this kid is desperately seeking truth. He is desperately seeking truth, and he wants answers. And um, what he believes is that God just hasn't called him. He just hasn't revealed himself to him yet. And you know what? I, I can respect that. Actually, at times, I can respect Jay's spiritual discipline uh, more than myself. I mean, I know Christians that haven't read the Bible one time through, let alone three times through. I know there's certain passages that I haven't read three times through, but he has because he's so hungry and he's so thirsty for truth. When we get, when we get coffee, I see that, and I'm, I'm so desperately encouraged by the way that he is seeking out um, to try to find out, you know, what is this all about? I enjoy times with him uh, where he has all these questions and where he doubts my beliefs, sometimes more than why I have coffee with believers. Uh, coffee with believers who kind of just um, accept the tag of Christianity but have no level of devotion or no, no spiritual discipline in their life. Jay is seeking that out. Kind of takes a, it takes a change in our mind. It takes a change in our mind um, that these things are important to us, that these disciplines are important to us. For those of you that were in small groups this week, you'll remember the story about, about Daniel and how when he was, him and uh, some of his people were put into exile, they were trying to, the Babylonians who had taken over were trying to really uh, change their way of life. They were trying to um, take away their culture and take away um, their belief system, and Daniel had recognized this. Daniel 1.8 says, um, but Daniel resolved, or in other words, made up his mind not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel had made up his mind a long time ago that some of these disciplines or guardrails in his life were what he was going to hold to. The question is similar for us tonight. What do we need to make up our mind about tonight? Are your spiritual disciplines where you need them to be? Are your spiritual disciplines where God wants them to be? Remember, all of this, the reading, the praying, the, the serving, um, this is not checking a box that say we showed up. This is about knowing and loving Jesus better. Will you all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are, we are desperate to know you more. God, we're desperate to be closer to you and to your son. And uh, we believe that in your scriptures, you've given us um, ways to do that. Through your word, um, through prayer and open communication with you for the opportunity to serve your people. And God, I pray that through these disciplines that we adopt and through these disciplines that we, that we study further, as our faith grows, Lord, we'll just grow closer to you. And that legalism will not be something that, that leaks into our mind. But, Lord, this will just be about knowing your son and knowing him, um, his whole person, his character better. Lord, tonight we thank you for the blessings that you've given this ministry. We thank you for the blessings that you've given this church. But most of all, we thank you for your son and what he did on the cross. In his name I pray. Amen.